and welcome to the Cinema Train Podcast. My name is Casey Johnson, your conductor on this journey through cinema. This episode of Cinema Train is brought to you by Punching Nazis. That's right, Punching Nazis. Is it against the law? Sure. Is it worth it? Sure. Now, introducing your host. First, a man who loves Guy Fieri more than more than I love Guy Fieri. It's Zach Smith. And the only man I know who would get super passionate about a horror film that's main plot, plot is a pornographic film shoot. It's no crawling. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we? I'm uh, good. I'm doing all right. And I, 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 I want to say the, uh, the reception to the podcast so far has been absolutely fantastic. So thank you to everybody for that. Uh, I had a fantastic time recording episode zero with you guys, and then I had, dare say, an even better time recording episode one, getting Multiverse of Madness behind us. I still cannot believe that that movie exists, Yeah, uh, but it is a thing, and we all saw it. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy to think about. So... In the meantime here, other than still trying to wrap our brains around what happened in, uh, in Multiverse of Madness, what have you guys uh, been, been watching this week? Noah, I'll, I'll start with you. All right. Um, so I've been on very much of a TV kick lately. Okay. Um, this is the first time in a while where there are actually like three different shows with new episodes coming out weekly. Um, I've been, of course, I've been watching Moon Knight. Uh, Moon Knight Wednesdays are very important to me now. I don't know um, what I'm gonna do um, from from now forward. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, uh. I have also been watching Moon Knight. Um, I knew nothing about Moon Knight going into it, and um, I ended it with being completely obsessed with the character. Yeah. Um, and it was just it was a pleasure of an experience for sure. Um, I also watched hidden figures recently, which came out like three, two, three years ago. And, um, it was, I've ne I've never just sat through a movie through the entire thing without taking a break, but I did with that movie. It was just mm. a beautifully well done film. Nice. 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 I, I watched a few things this week. So, um, I, did a, a, a rewatch because I was bored. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I had watched The Atom Project that week. Mm -hmm. And I, I watched it again just because I needed something else in the background. I really did enjoy that movie. It, it's very action comedy esque, it's, it's very paint by numbers. It, like, it's this is going to be the next plot point that we go into. You know, <laughs> it's it's very vapid in that way. However, with that being said, it is it is just a, a really good movie about people like finding out what it is to be a good person because you've got you've got the kid Ryan Reynolds who thinks that he's a good kid, and then the real Ryan Reynolds who's like, no, kid, you're a piece of crap, actually. <laughs> And I'm a good person, but neither of them are where they want to be, and they they find that that unity somewhere in the middle. And I yeah. love that kind of a story. Um, Nia and I have been watching a couple of shows recently. First things first, we've been watching the show on Discovery Plus called "The World's Most Evil Killers," which is an interesting um, title because pretty much all of them are just in Britain. <laughs> and I feel like the show would it would be better marketing if they called it Britain's Most Evil Killers. I would be even more compelled, I mm. think, to... But it's just ugh, it's so weird because 
I'm not trying to gatekeep the violent crime community here. <laughs> but I feel like to earn a place on the list of the world's most evil killers, you have to pass a certain threshold. And okay. we were like watching this one episode a couple of days ago it, and it was like is this one dude who he sexually assaulted and murdered like one eight year old mm-hmm. and I'm like that's terrible yeah. like that's that's terrible but that happens like eight times a day in Chicago <laughs> yeah <laughs> My cat has a higher kill count. Yeah, <laughs> and and then like it's also been interesting because it's a it's a good show. It, it, the The sound mixing is super cool on it because it's got a voiceover guy, and the music will go up so loud that you just can't even hear him <laughs> anymore, which is fun. But that my favorite little detail that I've noticed is because it's pretty much all of it. The all the people that they're interviewing who are like the crime experts are British. Everybody's British in it. And so they keep doing this thing where like, did you know how many names British judges have? Hmm. Because literally it's like judge, Mr. Justice Allen, like he has like three names in front of and then they did an episode on John Wayne Gacy and he moved from the Chicagoland area to like Iowa at one point and literally the voiceover artist is the most British guy that you've ever heard in your life and he's explaining these small places that these crimes have taken place in Britain that nobody outside of Britain would know, but he's like, <laughs> at Newcastle upon Grandchestershire for Shire upon Tyne. <laughs> and then he like spent 45 seconds explaining that John Wayne Gacy moved from Illinois to Iowa. <laughs> and it just struck me as weird. First, he rented the U-Haul, uh, <laughs> then <laughs> into the neighboring state of Iowa. He did have to pay a late fee for the U-Haul. <laughs> um, Nia and I have been watching a lot of guys' grocery games lately. Mm. Um, I'm going to move on before Zach has an entire three-hour-long soliloquy. Um, and finally, Nia and I watched Sharknado Two, the second one. <laughs> Sharknado 2 is a lot of fun. I a bet. lot a lot of like really weird cameos. Oh yeah. In it after the first one went so like 2008 viral, you know? Mm-hmm. The my favorite thing was like they're about to like enter this like final battle against the shark. <laughs> oh god, I can't wait to do our Sharknado episode yeah. someday. Um but anyway, so this guy walks up and he's like, okay, guys, you got to like, you know, and he starts like explaining and giving them advice. And I turn to Nia and I go, Kurt Angle, <laughs> what? WWE Hall of Famer and Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. <laughs> he's in the movie. Like, who did you owe a favor to? There, there's so many. There's, well, I... I want to watch all of the Sharknados with you guys at one mm. point because I want to see your reaction to some of the the people who are here. But yeah, that that's Casey on a given week. Cooking shows, true crime, one actual movie. 
<laughs> and Sharknado. Well, gentlemen, let's get to why we're really here. One real movie that we all saw recently, we had the opportunity to all watch it together, was a movie by the name of Jojo Rabbit. And it's important for me to note that it was my second viewing. It was Noah's. It was my second viewing. Second as well. viewing. And it was the first time that Zach had ever seen it, Correct. which is really interesting because we get all all of those perspectives mm -hmm. here um first however I, I would like to send it over to zach zach can you give me a little bit of a background on um this movie and um the people who are in it the people who are around it and uh some things about the movie here uh yeah so uh, jojo rabbit came out in 2019 um it was directed by taika watiti essentially it stars um it actually stars the director as Adolf Hitler. Um, Scarlett Johansson is also in it. And um, Sam Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell yeah. and oh, everything. We're talk about him a lot today. <laughs> yeah. Um, the movie did really well. Um, the audience score was 94%. Audience score was 94%. Um, people reacted to it very, very well. And it did pretty well in the box office as well. It was very successful all around. And that, that's interesting because this was one of those movies that when people saw the trailer for this movie, a lot of people were like, I will never <laughs> watch that movie. But context is super important here because Taika Waititi is Jewish mm -hmm. and the film was made in such a way, and we'll get to this, that... It did not glorify Nazism in any way. In a way, oh, no. it, it made fun of it by glorifying it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we're going to get to, especially in, um, in the spoiler section. But for anybody out there who's listening who is, like, on the fence about it, I, like, mm -hmm. don't let the trailer fool you. Oh no! Honestly, if I had just watched a trailer, I never would have watched it on my own accord. Yeah. Um, but you guys recommended it to me, and I was—I mean, I was fully immersed in it while I was watching it. Mm -hmm. The the trailer doesn't quite do the job, I think, of capturing the movie's intention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, because, like you said, it's 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 very satirical. It's almost overly glorified to the point it's satirical. Like it's, yeah. it's so unapologetic in what it's doing, mm -hmm. um, but again, it's done through the eyes of Taika Waititi. Um, you know, someone who actually has a very personal stake in something like that. Yeah, someone that's actually affected by this. Like none of us, to my knowledge anyway, are Jewish. Yeah, um, <laughs> correct. So, so none of us actually really know like how that would feel you know at one point uh taika actually mentioned that um he wanted to because most war, war movies are through the eyes of the soldier mm -hmm. and he wanted to make a movie that was through the eyes of just like the everyday people yeah, yeah. that were like accountants and stuff um and he yeah and that and that's the, that's that's the thing about the movie too is that like one of my notes that i took down while i was watching it is how Especially in the end sequences, which, of course, no spoilers in this portion of the show. But in the end sequences, you talk so much about how it did not shy away 
from the actual horrors of war Mm -hmm. because a lot of war movies are told through the the eyes of the soldier yes but they're also it is a very painted with broad strokes almost usually wildly inaccurate in terms of like what people actually experienced yeah and um i don't i don't think this is a spoiler at the end of the movie germany loses yeah, you, you should know? know that by now. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What do you no. mean? Um, but it's, you know, they're in Berlin, and there's this invasion that's happening, and they're getting closer, and they are, you see old men and old women, like, literally hold this gun, point it, run that way, pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. And that is the actual reality of what was happening there at that time, and it's... All of it is framed with such a comedic premise, Noah, yeah. that it it's more sobering to look at it through the lens of this comedy framing mm-hmm. than it would be if it was, you know, letterbox yeah. and like had was at like seventy five percent opacity for no apparent reason. Yeah, it's it's framed almost in the way like you don't know what's gonna happen like it's 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 staged in a way like you don't know outside of this movie like you don't really know what happened in world war ii you know what i mean yeah Mm -hmm. or at least you know we were talking in episode zero about how we love like looking at history Mm -hmm. zach and we love being taught what history was actually like and this was one of those where like i'm watching these in sequences and i'm like this is what it was actually like it depicted it so well just like the utter desperation towards the end of the war that mm. not, that Germany was feeling. And it just, it did so in such a way that was, it just really like showed you the impact that the war had on, yeah. you know, your average Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, one of the, one of the lines, which was in all of the trailers, but it's um, from an end portion of the movie is um, Jojo's little best friend saying, it's not. It's a really bad time to be, a, to Nazi be a Nazi right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of JoJo, though, perhaps we are uh, putting the har- uh, cart before the horse here to just a certain extent. Noah, uh, this is going to be your burden every week. If you would okay. please explain to us the basic premise. Mm. Um, our entire idea behind this, folks, is going to be that it is going to be like we're going to tell you about like the first half of Act One or so. Okay. Nothing that you wouldn't see in the trailers. This is just the the premise and the problem, as it were. Uh, Noah, go ahead and uh, t- take it away. Okay. Um, yeah, like we stated, um, the film is about a young boy named JoJo. I don't think it's ever specifically stated how old he is. It might be. I'd I'd reckon he's anywhere from like ten to twelve. Yeah, he's definitely not quite a. For teenager. some reason, the number is eight. Eight is sticking out with me. They yeah, may have said eight. Or Dang, that feels too young. But also, who knows how old kids are anymore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they aged differently back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so JoJo's a young boy growing up. Um, in it's pretty much the height of Hitler's Reich, um, so he's being very much influenced by the Nazi propaganda. You know, he thinks that Hitler is this just god, essentially. You know, and that's very much conveyed um, early on when you see really his only friend is um, this imaginary Hitler that he's made up in his mind, um, <laughs> who is once again 
played really, really well by Taika Waititi. Yeah. He's one of the funniest parts of the movie, I'd say. Um, but yeah, Jojo wants to grow up to be a big, strong Nazi and make Hitler proud, basically, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then um, he finally gets his chance to, quote-unquote, prove himself when... Um, they have a local like Hitler youth rally. It's where kids can essentially just learn to be Nazis. Mm. Um, and so he goes there, hangs out with his supposedly like-minded kids. Um, and he quickly realizes he doesn't have the same affinity for violence that yeah. is mm-hmm. traditionally found in a Nazi. Um, and that's also where we get the name of the movie. Um, they compare him to a shy little rabbit or go mm. Jojo rabbit. And I just got to say, um, the scene where they break the little rabbit's neck gets oh, me every God. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he um, he realizes that things aren't quite going his way. He doesn't really feel like a Nazi, so to speak, mm-hmm. which I guess, good on him. Um, <laughs> so he has a really nice pep talk with his buddy Hitler, who says, hey, there's room for all of God's creatures, including mm. the rabbit. So you go and be a rabbit. And so he's refilled with this newly vitalized confidence, um, and he runs back to his fellow Nazi children, and uh, they're right in the middle of grenade testing. Um, And his confidence kind of gets the better of him when he just grabs that grenade out of Sam Rockwell's hand and throws it. And, of course, it ricochets straight off a tree and... uh, Severe, blows him up a little bit. Severely yeah. injures yep. him. There's this amazing um, tracking shot that's like his time from getting blown up to going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's done in like one take from uh, first person, and it really kind of goes to show just how messed up this kid gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he was maimed pretty bad in incident. Yeah. I always think of the scene when he's being um, gurneyed into the hospital and he gives Hitler a bloody thumbs up <laughs> and he'll, just the look he gives him. <laughs> yeah. Your shock. And um, and all of this is played so well by Roman Griffin Davis. Oh, yeah. Who is already a fantastic actor, but I think he's going to grow up to be an absolute rock star because as a, uh, by the way, I looked it up, 10-year-old. 10-year-old. Um, as a 10-year-old, being able to convey the fact that you are all in, except for that one little bit, is very difficult to play. Yeah. And he does it perfectly to a T, and that is just exacerbated and widened by Scarlett Johansson as as his mother, oh, uh, yes. Rosie. Also, I'd say acted perfectly she mm. she's very much the strong parental figure to jojo's um you know very much um timidness mm. very very aptly named movie because he very much does seem like a rabbit of an individual um but yeah um for all we know jojo could have grown up to be some big tyrannical nazi but then probably the worst thing that could have happened to him from his point of view in that situation he finds a Jewish girl hidden in his upstairs, it's his sister's bedroom. There's a space in the wall that he finds her hiding in. Um, and it's implied, I think it's, I don't think it's, I don't remember if it's implied at first or whether or not he straight up knows that his mother's hiding her there. It almost feels like he knows mm-hmm. because one of the first things that Ellie says to him, uh, Elsa says to him is, 
I like your mom. She treats me like a person. Gosh, yeah. And it's very much he does not want to believe it, but secretly he always kind of knows, which, again, is acted with such a a nuance yes. that is so impressive for his age. Mm, yeah, it's very subtle. Um, but then after having his confidence shaken with the whole getting blown up thing, um, he... Uh, he He's 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 feeling down. He doesn't think that he has what it takes to be a Nazi anymore. He's mm. far less perfect looking. He's got some scars on his face from the injuries. Um, so he decides, okay, how can I make the best of this bad situation? Um, he decides that he's going to try and learn everything he can about the Jewish race, because you know, growing up in a propaganda fueled Germany, uh, to him, a Jew is a fire-breathing horned monster. Yeah. So he decides, hey. I'm going to learn everything I can about the quote-unquote Jewish race, yeah. um, and I'm going to present it to the Fuhrer, be a great hero. Um, and then, of course, um, as he gets to know the girl more and more, kind of grows a bond with her, learns this is just a person. Yeah. You know? um, He's a very good example of how, how much the propaganda swayed people's opinions back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, I mean, basically everything they knew about Jewish people was came from, I mean, Nazi Germany. So obviously it's, you know, misinformation. And yeah. he's a perfect example of, like, giving into that. Yeah. And all along the way, right, he has his imaginary Hitler mm-hmm. at his side, played, of, of course, by the director himself. Which, by the way, it's got to be weird mm-hmm. to be directed by a, a, by a man dressed as Hitler. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Hitler, sure thing. Yeah. Um, but he... And, and Taika does it so well, too, in that this metaphorical imaginary Hitler really represents his relationship with his Nazi beliefs, Mm -hmm. right? And as he starts to have issues with his beliefs, his beliefs start to have an issue with him. And you can, you watch over the course of the movie as Taika Waititi goes a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more towards that Hitler that we know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so when, so I first saw this movie in the theaters and Noah, you first saw it when it came, uh, to disc, right? Yeah. I picked it up first day. It came out on Blu-ray. I, I wanted to see it in the theater desperately, but I just didn't get the chance. Yeah. Um, kicking yourself yeah. at this point for sure. And Zach, you saw it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, what surprised you guys the most about this film? This, surpri- what surprised me the most is how upfront the movie was about Nazi Germany. Yeah. It was just very like, yeah we do this, but the characters act so nonchalantly about it because mm. it's just normal life to them. Um, whereas, you know, as a viewer, you're watching it and, you know, you're shocked. Mm. Um, for me, it's really that it made me sympathize with Nazis. Like, Sam Rockwell? Uh, okay. All right. I, you, we're going to back <laughs> up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it made you sympathize with people who as were living people who in were Nazis. Nazis. Let me, yeah, let me uh, 
think about what I say for a minute. <laughs> uh, I do not, uh, let me firstly say, I do not condone any uh, white supremacist beliefs. I just, uh, I just really like Sam Rockwell, even when he is a Nazi. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it really made me sympathize with these people even though they're working for arguably the most evil dictator in all of history. Right, because I, uh, okay, so I've got this fundamental belief and I, you know, we're not here to get too deep into, you know, theories about life or whatever, but I firmly believe that evil cannot prosper unless it is able to take advantage of the kind hearted. Mm -hmm. And what you don't realize is because, and especially in 2022, right, we have a tendency to paint with such broad strokes and make so many blanket statements. And like, I know plenty of Republicans who just do not want to associate with any Democrats. Yeah. And I know plenty of Democrats who just do not want to associate with any Republicans. But like this movie does such a good job of showing that like everybody is just people yeah and these the people living in nazi germany at that time the people who were down on the ground level are just unfortunately many of them were really really good people who just were so unfortunate to have bought a madman's rants hook line and sinker yeah and this movie conveys that in such a way by heightening it by taking it to the extreme of showing that like you know these are just people who were led astray exactly mm -hmm. i think it also brings up the age-old conflict of from our from our perspective they are the bad guys and we are the good guys yeah and from their perspective it's the complete opposite they see themselves as the good guys quote unquote mm -hmm. and everyone else is the bad guys so it makes you, I don't know, it kind of, I understand what Noah was saying. It kind of gives you a soft spot for them because they are looking through the lens of the perspective that they're given. It certainly makes you not immediately write them off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the first things most people do with Nazis these days is like, oh, immediately just trash person. Absolutely. Although if somebody is still choosing to conform to those beliefs in <laughs> 2022, probably just immediately a trash person. But yeah. to me, I was so taken aback by how thoughtful mm -hmm. the movie was. And like, because I saw the, the trailer in the theaters waiting for another movie. Um, it was probably an MCU film, Taika Waititi director, makes sense. Um, but the trailer frames it like a slapstick comedy about Nazis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I understand why the trailer had to do that. But to see, to watch this movie that was so thoughtful and so deep and had so many nuances to its acting with the weirdly Wes Anderson style cinematography. Yeah, it's such a cozy movie about Nazi Germany. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing too, where like when Moon Knight went to Egypt, there were a lot of people that were like, thank God they didn't just put a yellow filter over everything because it was in Egypt. Yeah. And people, you know, constantly put a like Nazi Germany at like, 75% opacity, like I said earlier, <laughs> so that we can just be like, yeah, this was a bad place. It's just gray and blue. But it yeah. was it was a place. It was just a place yeah. that just so happened to be controlled by a dictator, which is a word that at 25 years old still makes me laugh every time I say it. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so as this film ends, as credits roll, what was your overall impression of the film? What what was your first like reaction? I didn't expect to feel as many emotions as I did mm-hmm. because from my perspective, not knowing anything about the movie before going into it, I thought it was going to be mostly just like, you know, a fun little comedy. Yeah. But yeah. it is very much not that. At um, all. <laughs> yes. No. It um, connects you with characters and, you know, drives drives forward emotions and it's it's a movie that you're not going to watch and just be like, oh, all right. It's one that's going to like stick with you. Yeah. I mean, really the only thing to say is credits roll. Noah is like, wow. Yeah. Just, ow. That, that <laughs> Take ow. away the first W. <laughs> yeah, just, like, just ow. Pain, anguish even, agony, if you will. Um. So before we move into completely spoiler territory here, um, first, I, I, I do want to ask you, gentlemen, is there anything else that you would like to add for the person who has not seen this movie yet? Um, I would just say go in open-minded. Give it a chance. Yeah, awesome. don't go in thinking of it as a film about Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, go in thinking about it like a film about a little boy who's just trying to find his place in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. It's on at the end of the day, it's honestly like a coming of age story in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's your um, favorite genre. It's my favorite I remember. Genre. I know. That. <laughs> um, and um, it's just my favorite thing about some movies is movie are movies that I leave with something. All right. Yeah. Something to take away from the film and. From this one, there was just a lot that after I watched it and I went home, I was like, wow, this is like, that movie was not just, you know, a random, like, trash film. It was just excellent. Yeah. So before we move into spoiler territory every week, we are each going to have the chance to say, would we recommend this film to whom and under what context? And... I'm just going to just take this opportunity to speak for all three of us. Mm-hmm. All three of us vehemently recommended this film to anybody as soon as you can find time to watch it. And for the record, this film is on Hulu. If you have a Hulu subscription, you have this movie. Yeah. Take a couple hours out of your day to watch it. Oh, yeah. So. It's it's not it's not it doesn't feel as long as it is either. Yeah. Which it's really I think it's just around the two hour mark. Yeah. It's pretty short these days. Mm-hmm. So, right now I am saying words, and these words are to signify a total and complete break between the spoiler section and the non-spoiler section. Right now, if you have not seen this movie, this is your chance to click away. Funny thing about podcasts is they don't go away. We'll be here when you get back. We'll be here forever. There's going to be five seconds of silence, and then we are going to move into spoiler territory. All right, here we go. Yeah. So the we the first thing we have to do is we have to watch um we have to watch the elephant in the room, look at it, say hi. Yeah. Take a note of it. So let's talk about that moment. Yes. This, <laughs> this movie for as 
lighthearted and bright as it can be, it simultaneously manages to have one of the darkest scenes I've seen ever. in a movie ever. ever. Absolutely. Because this whole film, like, when you watch this film, it's very colorful. It's very saturated. Mm-hmm. All right? And this scene comes about, and before the scene even happens, you kind of wonder, oh, where's the color? It's Something's lit. a little off. It's lit like in any other World War yeah. II movie. Yeah. And you see that, and then the scene occurs and you're not surprised but you're still just like holy crap yeah. what just happened and like i can only speak for myself here um but i also can speak for everybody else in the room including myself noah and my mm-hmm. girlfriend nia who none of us were watching the movie mm-hmm. during that scene you didn't notice this because you were watching the movie but all of us were just watching you <laughs> yeah to see what happened yeah. it, when he stood up and the funny thing is, when that happens, so many things about the movie make so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like, watching early portions of the movie, you would think it was a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. Because a lot of the cinematography really just focuses on feet. On sh- shoes, specifically. Yeah. yeah. But even um, Thomas and McKenzie's bare feet in that first scene... Yeah. Right, like it, it's and before, Roman Griffin Davis's feet as well. Yeah, before you even see uh, Thomason's face, like it start, you see your feet first, and then it mm-hmm. rises up, mm-hmm. and it it's like that's weird, but it's the cinematography is driving that home that that image of those blue shoes, mm-hmm. so that when you see only those shoes, you're like, oh no, and. I, I wondered how Zach would, because I send Zach videos just to make him cry, <laughs> because he cries easy. Oh, hey, you remember the um, the autistic um, guy who played in the uh, basketball game and made, like, seven threes on senior night? Yes. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it that makes happened? me cry every time. Every time. Because I've never seen another human being filled with that much joy. Yeah. And just the support around it gets me every time and you you're talking about but i want to see this you we'll get there (laughs) we'll 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 talk afterwards (laughs) you gasped louder than i've ever heard anybody gasp it it surprised me i kind of zach's about to cry right now i am (laughs) thinking about it because you know during a majority of the film it is doing such a good job at getting you connected to Mm -hmm. this mother okay Yeah. yeah this caretaker and in a split second, it is gone. Yeah. Because you see, you know... We, uh... I've noticed we keep dodging around it. We haven't actually said what it is. I was gonna say, do you want me to just um, bring it out? Yeah, so it's very... Uh, a little bit more subtly at first, but then, like, much more later on. Uh, it's implied that his mom is kind of a, um... Might be a rebel sympathizer. She talks about how much she doesn't like mm-hmm. the war... Yeah. And things like that. What one of the my favorite lines of the entire movie is they're sitting there and they're seeing people who were publicly hanged at the gallows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jojo says, What what did they do? And Rosie says, What they could. Yeah, yeah. The best they could. Exactly. And then Jojo's walking around the same area that they see those bodies and uh He's, he's he's chasing this little blue butterfly. He's just, it lands yeah. on the ground. It lands on the ground, and he you know goes to pick it up, and he stands back up, and right next to his head, dangling, are his mother's his blue mother's, shoes. They're red. Mm-hmm. They're they're, uh, they're like bright lipstick red. They match yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. match her lips very well. There's white. Yeah, yeah there's the blue was the skin. That, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> God, yeah, especially around the neck area. Uh, she's, yeah. she's all, they also put a sign on her uh, that's in German that basically was telling people that she was, you know, uh, the worst human alive. The, yeah, she was uh, terrible harboring Jews. because she was a helping Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like it's so bleak, especially compared to like all the other scenes prior like when the uh the gestapo the ss or whatever visit jojo's house for like an inspection mm-hmm. like um did you guys notice that when during that scene that takes place in um jojo's sister's bedroom his sister is deceased by the way there the color is kind of gone there too yeah just yeah. a little bit because you know it's kind of depicting a a tragedy almost yeah and that that's the thing about the the movie too is you know i, I i've said before i really like consistency i don't like in, inconsistency but mm-hmm. somehow this film manages to have scenes that are framed and shot and executed like horror and comedy and drama and all of this different stuff except somehow it stays consistent throughout all of it mm-hmm. yeah. and that is just the particular mood of that particular day. And the, the thing about R- Rosie being killed is that if you're watching this with a critical eye, right? Because I'm always thinking about the story in its greater context. It's back from my days booking wrestling, right? Like when they're, I, my question is like, all right, how are they going to get out of this? Yes. I know they're going to get out of this, but how are they? And every path that you have toward like, are the three of them just going to escape? Is the dad going to come back? What's going to happen here? Every single way that you could see this movie ending, as soon as he stands up and those shoes are right there next Mm -hmm. to him, every single plot that you came up with, the way that it could possibly end is gone. Just just absolutely gone. And it just... The way that scene is shot, like Noah said, it's like every other like World War II movie. Um, It's just so dark. I will say, do you guys remember... And you kind of got on me for this because, like, I like I would never ruin the moment for him. But when the scene changed and it, mm-hmm. um, it did start using that like really bleak color palette, yeah, I audibly went, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> literally." I couldn't remember when it happened, and I was like, yeah. what? "What?" Then the tone and the color changed, and I was like, "Shit!" Yeah. Like, and I was like, "What? What? What? What's going on?" And, and they were like, "Shut the fuck up!" And I was like. What? Cause like I knew what, uh, something bad was going to happen. And I was like, what bad thing is making Noah speak? And the funny <laughs> thing is, it, it was also like, in some ways you didn't see it coming because we told you the movie was going to make you cry. Yeah. And you cried when they killed the bunny. And you were like, oh, that's how it's going to make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so this one kind of snuck up on you a little bit. And it's so, it's so poignant, too, because uh, like you mentioned earlier, we do see how strained their relationship is, but also how close they are at the end mm-hmm. of the day, yeah. which is simultaneously acted beautifully. And this, this relationship is one that is at a, a, an absolute turning point. It cannot continue as it is, especially after mm-hmm. JoJo notices that there is a Jew hiding up there. Mm-hmm. And Scarlett Johansson, now I will say this, on my second watch, some of that 
weird stuff that Scarlett Johansson did didn't land with me nearly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it just seemed like, because the first time it was like, what is this movie? It's so like, weird. Uh, but the second time, there were parts of it that like... Like quirky for quirkiness sake. Ha- have you ever like shown somebody one of your favorite videos and then they're not into it? And as you're watching it and they're not enjoying it, you realize it's not that good. Yeah. This there were a couple moments like this for me, but also as I reflect back on it too, like when I watch it for the third time and you've watched it Noah another time mm-hmm. um since then, I feel like it also shows that like you mentioned her as like the strong mother figure and I almost cut you off and I'm like no she's not. But I think that's the beauty of it is you can see a very fractured human being. Everything, because we never find out exactly what was going on in the periphery of her life. Mm -hmm. We never find out exactly what was happening. But you know things are not good whatsoever. And she is trying to to hold it together. But she's going insane. I noticed that during the movie, I didn't really. I obviously they're like you know mother and son, but the way their dynamic worked, it's almost like they were taking care of each other in a sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, It was very much because you know his father was absent. He was you know fighting in the war. Yeah. Um, and it was just you know this mom trying to take care of this like growing boy that wants to do the same thing his father's doing. It was almost uh, like a a brother sister now we're on our own yes. since our parents got, died story exactly. rather than squarely framing her as the mother but also like it's like she was she was trying to be the friend to him mm-hmm. because he was no longer accepting the mother part. Yes. And so she's trying to connect with him in that way, you know. It's like, ugh, my stupid Nazi son. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think she knew in, like, a sense? Did you ever, did you get that at all? Because... What do you mean like, exactly? She knew she was going to be killed eventually? Well, not that. Do you think that she knew that JoJo was aware of what she was doing? Oh. Because I... Because in the film, it makes her out to be a very kind of um, with it and like sensitive, um, sensitive to her surroundings kind of girl. Mm-hmm. I think she suspected. Yeah. I just wonder. I just wonder why she wasn't more upfront about it. I I mean, I personally, if I were in her case, I I might do the same thing that she did Mm -hmm. because I feel like this is one of those when your child is beginning to reject, I say this, uh, as, uh, we're all college age people with no kids, but that we know of, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty confident Zach doesn't have a kid, but uh, (laughs) him too. Um, as as your kid is starting to reject everything that you say, I've I've seen this so many times in like people that I know, and it's like, so if I stop him right here, and I take him upstairs, and I say she say she she is a a Jew, she is just a different person, she's a good person, 
he's probably not going to take that very well no. because right now he's rejecting everything that I say. But I'm like, I think he's figuring it out and I want, I need to let him figure it out for himself because he's not going to listen to me, but he'll listen to his conscience. Yeah. yeah. Like but, maybe letting him get to know Elsa more. Yeah. To try to sway his opinion. Painting it in that light makes it even more of a tragedy because mm-hmm. she never got to live to see him grow like that. But that that's the thing though is that trust that she had. She took every opportunity that she had to say my kid is a good kid, he's just confused. Yeah. You know, and as she, you know, you can only think as she was led toward the gallows as the noose was tied around her neck, she knew in the end that Jojo was going to do whatever he could for Elsa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think she was able to die knowing that, I mean, essentially her two kids would figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Especially because Elsa looks so much like the dead sister. Yeah. yeah. Too. And I think it's so important that she was hit out in the sister's room and that she reminded Jojo so much of his sister who was gone. Because as their relationship starts to develop, you really start to see those little things where... He's like, don't touch my sister's stuff. But then slowly he'll let her sit on the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I think the moments in that mo- movie um, that are kind of bleaked out, like in the sister's room and at the gallows and stuff, I think it's, I think it's comparable to a child mm. and that is being the location of a tragedy. Yeah. You know, his sister's untimely death, his mom being hung and the death of his entire way of life exactly. as well yeah yeah so it's interesting to me that we haven't talked much about thomas and mckenzie yet yeah. because to me of just about every main character and by that i mean basically the three yeah she took it for me the way that she would say the you think I'm a monster I'll give you monster but at the same time I'm going to show you how ridiculous it is that you think that I'm the monster but the one of the first things that Nia and I said walking out of the theater was like Roman Griffin Davis and Thomas and McKenzie give them 10 years and they will be the biggest stars in the world. Thomas yeah. and McKenzie a little bit already now. She's, she's getting there. And this up. this was it for her, really. Yeah. yeah. And then last night in Soho happened and <sighs> she's going to I really want to do a well, last night. Put it in, in the list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um can we touch real quick on um Sam Rockwell's character? Yeah, because Gladly. my next question was going to be, what side character do you think stole the show? And oh my God, Captain K. Absolutely, yeah. Captain K. His just... He just kind of... He kind of gives you the vibe of being kind of like a washed-up Nazi. Yeah. yeah. He's just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. These damn kids. You know, I'm going to drink, you know. Where I was coming from earlier with that poorly worded point about sympathizing with Nazis... <laughs> Yeah, the primary fuel behind that was like I never thought I'd shed a, almost shed a tear like when like at the end of the movie it's off screen but he definitely gets shot to death by yeah. the Russians and 
It I don't is. like it. So I what made that hard for me was his sub officer Finkel. All right, yeah. mm-hmm. there is very much implied um, an implied relationship there. Yeah, and during the whole movie, they're just they're kind of like the funny guys. They're always together, you know, this and that and the other. And then when Captain K gets presumably shot at the end. You just can't help but think of poor little Finkel. Yeah. You know, Alfie Allen, Game of Thrones guy, mm. just poor Theon. losing his boy. You so, know? was he not there? I thought, I could have sworn he was sitting there next to him, or at least nearby in the I don't shot. believe he was, because during the, um, around the end of the movie, there was that war scene, and they were together. Okay. But when, it was it was just Captain K and uh, Jojo at the end. So, I've got, so let let me weave for you the this, this theory here. Hmm. You, you say it's it's heavily implied that they are in a relationship. Yeah. I would postulate, and I, I, I would like to bring to the table, that I believe the primary motivation for everything that Captain Kate does in the course of this entire film is because he is a closeted gay man. Okay. Okay. Everything. Elaborate on that. So, from the beginning... From the very beginning that we see his character, he's drunk. Mm. Like you said, he's like a washed up Nazi, right? Oh, yeah. How did and guys? Yeah, yeah. He never, never, over the course of this entire thing, he never fully buys in. You can see he never is quite a Nazi. Yeah. It's almost as if the only reason that he's in the military right now is because he's trying to be manly. But he's got this the second in command, this officer who, the way that the shots with the two of them are framed, they are uh, they are obviously sharing uh, secrets of the plumbing trade with each other. Yeah. Um, and what? Like, there's this like scene where they they like they're right face to face, and it's framed like a, a romance. These guys are obviously borking. It's just yeah. They, I mean, yeah. yeah. And for me. I can only imagine being a Nazi who is a closeted gay man mm-hmm. knowing that your entire identity is based around a belief that does not accept you mm-hmm. and that will never accept you. And if you ever, ever showed your true self, you would immediately be killed. Yes. On the spot. I think, in a way, he is, besides, like, the gay thing, I think, in a way, he is kind of um, a mirror of what JoJo would have become. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, you know, I went through the motion, did everything right, and, you know, here I am, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing about it, too, is that he, Sam Rockwell has this amazing outfit (laughs) toward the end of the movie. Which to me, and you know, we talked um, in episode zero, um, Zach, about how your number one thing is you hate when gay characters are gay stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But to me, again, this entire movie is based around taking it up to eleven. It is, and and I I said that point when and I at the end I said when it is unnecessary. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're getting to exactly what I'm going to, mm-hmm. which is, this is Captain K's moment 
he is about to die either way. Either he's going to die in battle or the Americans are going to execute him. Which, by the way, we did that. Moving on. (laughs) Either he's going to die in battle or the Americans are going to execute him. And so for his last blaze of glory, that outfit signifies for one time, the only time in his life, he was ever able to be himself. Yeah. That is a beautiful metaphor for him deciding he's about to die anyway and he's coming out. Yeah. And as such, this is why, and there was this whole subplot where he and Rosie like knew each other. Yeah. And they like supported each other. And he chose, he, he looks at the sister's papers and sees that the birthday that Elsa gives him doesn't match. Doesn't match up. Yeah. And he chooses at that exact moment to be like, good, mm-hmm. and not report her. Yeah. And it's like he knows in a few days the war is going to be over. Yeah. And this person is being marginalized for being themselves like he's being marginalized for being himself. And this is his one opportunity to make sure that somebody gets to live their life being who they are, Mm -hmm. which is exactly in his final scene, what he does for Jojo. And I'd feel bad if I just didn't bring up their relationship throughout the whole movie. Oh my God. Because he very much serves as the kind of uh, surrogate father figure um, for Jojo because it's a big plot point that... um, Jojo thinks his dad's a Nazi off fighting in the war. Yeah. Eventually you learn that's not the case. He's actually working as a freedom fighter. Um, But just the relationship between um, Jojo and Captain K, at first he kind of sees him as just like this annoying, another annoying little kid in the the Hitler youth group. Yeah. Um, And then, like we mentioned earlier, he blows up um, his uh, Jojo's mom not the happiest with Captain K about that. Walks in, punches him right <laughs> in the nuts. Immediately. Um, and to his credit, he's like, all right, yeah. Yeah, I had that comment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and it all just comes down to that final moment between the two when, you know, he says, what is it? Like, he accuses him of being a Jew and pushes him away. Yeah. And then as soon as he turns the corner, just gunfire. Yeah, because Jojo is about to be executed Yeah, because he's wearing a Nazi uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, so as, as we wrap things up here, we have to talk about the note, the exact note that this movie ends on. Because to me... This is probably my favorite last 45 seconds of a movie (laughs) that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Okay. And possibly my last two minutes is up there because they exit the house and he has lied to Elsa because he thinks Elsa's going to leave him. Mm -hmm. And he, in his childish way, thinks that he's in love with her, but really what he's feeling is this great kinship. He sees her more as a sister. He just hasn't realized it yet, and you know that. Yeah. When they exit, she realizes that Germany has not won the war, as he said, 
And she slaps him. <laughs> and again, he's like, okay, yeah. 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 And then they look around, and in this last 45 seconds, it is so awkward. Mm-hmm. But it needs to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because they had said, what's the first thing you're going to do when you're free? Dance. And she said, dance. <sighs> and so they just look at each other, and slowly JoJo starts... They start dancing just in the middle of the street to no music at all. Yeah. And then we we cut to black. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like... It's so awkward, but that awkwardness is born from... We have no clue whatsoever anything that happened after that. Yes. And they feel so weird about it. But they both know in that moment of dancing, stuff is going to happen after this. We don't know what's going to happen after this. But in this moment, right now, the important thing is that we're free. Yes. Mm, That's beautiful. And that kind of lands the plane, as it were, in such a way that, again, I was talking earlier after the credits roll, what more can you say other than, wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Because it leaves you on this uneven ground, but still so resolved. Mm -hmm. I don't... (laughs) It's amazing how how it was executed like that. It is very, very well wrapped up, I believe. Um, It just... To see that final scene with JoJo dancing with someone that he cares about and who cares about him, it's such a beautiful thing because after his mother um, is killed, you know, he and I was thinking, oh, you know, I have no one left that loves me. He tried yeah. to stab her. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget that. Yeah. That was, you could just see in his eyes, that was the lowest point he's ever been at. And that was... And she was there for him in such a good way because she understands, like, all too well being a Jew that people, like, she understands losing people. Mm -hmm. To me, that moment was very akin to the No Way Home in the glider Yeah. when Peter's about to bring down the glider Mm -hmm. and Tobey Maguire Peter stops him and there's no dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. He's just holding it there, and everything that they need to say is in their eyes. The yes. look on his face just reads absolutely like, I understand, but don't. There's a is novel. Not the way. There's a yeah. novel in that facial expression. And this is the same thing to me where she just, she stops the knife from going in and holds it there, and they just look at each other. Mm-hmm. And they have a thousand conversations in that five seconds. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't start, they don't start like, you know, a fight or anything. It's just like, it's silence and it's emotion. And then the next shot that you see is him resting his head Mm -hmm. on her shoulder as they watch the bombs in the distance as the allies descend on Berlin. God, and we have to remember, we're talking about like, uh, I don't know how old he was at the time when he was playing JoJo, but like a 10 year old boy yeah. Like, kudos for being able to bring such raw emotion to such, like, a young character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He um, was about 12. 12 11, 12. Yeah. Pro- probably more like 10 when he was filming. 
Oh, Because yeah. he's 15 yeah. now, so he would have been 12 when it came out. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, right in there. It, and to be able to work in that kind of nuance. Mm-hmm. And I, I also want to... Um, <laughs> I would be remiss not to shout out Archie Yates, who plays Yorkie. Okay. Who does Ooh. such a good job being the the roly poly to the straight man of Roman Griffin yeah. Davis yeah. too? I, I put in my notes. They have this amazing like Nick Frost Simon Pegg relationship, like even down to their physical attribute use. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, you could literally cast them. You could just replace them with those two actors in Shaun of the Dead or something, and I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Also, so. Go one on. quick, one more quick thing. Rebel Wilson was in this movie as a kind of a comedic relief. Yeah, and some of her scenes are some of the most. They're the ones that really make it satire. I think. laughably oh, cringy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and the thing is, I'm not a huge Rebel Wilson fan. Mm-hmm. Really, I find that most of the time she's too much. This is... But what do you do with somebody who's too much? You put them in a movie that's too much. Exactly. You know, yeah, <laughs> she's utilized so well. perfectly. Used her. I. This is definitely the my favorite Rebel Wilson role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I the only other thing I have seen her in, I will admit, is the Cats movie. So oh. it's not like a huge, <laughs> not a <laughs> um, uh, shout out for when we do the uh, cats High, episode. Highest of oh, highs yeah. and lowest of lows. Highest I'm of actually busy that week. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we'll make time. Don't you worry. Um, one more thing. I just have to bring this up. Yeah. Um, okay. Mitch- I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to say this. What are the last things you feel you need to bring up? Okay. Okay. Go <laughs> Yeah, uh, you mentioned music. Uh, you mentioned music choice uh, earlier, and one of the this is one of my favorite opening scenes in a movie is yeah talking about the propaganda aspect. Um, in the beginning, the opening credits are JoJo running around the neighborhood, um, wishing everyone a grand old Heil Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, and as that's happening. Um, a German version of the Beatles song "I Want to Hold Your Hand" is playing. Yeah, and it's intercut with all these real-life propaganda shots of people. Like it was Hitler mania. And they never yeah. show Hitler's actual face. Yeah, Hitler. Yeah. Hitler's only shown once in this movie, and it's really quickly on that uh, poster scene. Yeah, and yeah. it's quickly replaced with Taika. Um, but I actually um, the third time I watched this movie was with director's commentary. Um, and during that Beatles scene, Taiga is saying he wanted to directly compare, like, what it was like then, like, Hitler mania to the Beatles. Like, yeah. Hitler was as popular as the Beatles. If, if not more popular. And that's the funny thing about it. That was the first note that I took down is, in the second viewing, knowing what's coming, it sets the, the feel for the satire so well. Because, again, what we were talking about earlier, all of these are good people who have been hoodwinked. That's what it comes down exactly. to. Mm-hmm. And it shows you by interspersing real footage, actual footage of the fervor that was around Hitler and putting it in this, this upbeat lens really makes it be like, man, this was just something completely different. Yeah. And it immediately reframes the way that you look at it to say, Okay, it it shifts your thinking from whatever you thought you were going to get because it, it's so, again, over the top. It's yeah. like, 
okay, I have to think about this in a different way. It's crazy to think that, you know, he's gone down in history, He's and he is just this absolute monster of a man, but to some people, he, wa- he was the Beatles, you know? He was a rock star because they didn't know the truth. To a country who needed a scapegoat, yeah. he provided one. I got it. It just... Ever since I first heard about Nazi Germany and Hitler, et cetera, mm-hmm. it's always, I don't want to say amazed, but shocked me in a sense that this one man that no one had ever really heard of before mm. was got able, out of prison. Got out of prison, <laughs> yeah. Was able to, you know, gather all of these people and, you know, he had all this influence and he was able to a- achieve. I guess. Yeah. What he did. <laughs> Again, not Nazi, but like it's just it's never it's never going to be lost on me that he was able to do that. Yeah. I mean, that cuz he came pretty close. That that 6 years or so. Yeah. Is the most is by far the most fascinating 6 years to me in human history. Mm-hmm. To watch it's the best certainly if you're looking to um write theses and look into history like that is where you look to show the craziest one of the craziest things that's ever happened to humanity by far because there's so much meat in the war and in nazi germany both figuratively and literally yeah so many that's terrible (laughs) there's so many we can can edit that out right (laughs) yeah there are so many different horrific things going on and they all stem from this one spot this one man that's like you know what literally in a a high tower in a a castle literally and then one day he's it's just it's over and that country's expected to just figure it out and move on and, and and that's that's a breaking point for Jojo too. Yeah. Is oh yeah, Hitler killed himself, and he goes, what? Yeah. And from that moment on, he never sees Taika Waititi yeah. again. He thought of it. Well, I I thought there was a scene with Taika Waititi and a gunshot wound. Yeah. At the oh end. yeah. Well, yeah. it's it. I don't know. It's part of the ending montage. So yeah, to me, yeah. that doesn't really. He never interfaces with okay. the gotcha. one the one f bomb that they use in this PG thirteen movie is right at the end when Jojo says "fuck off, Hitler." Yeah. He has yeah. a bullet wound in his head and he kicks him straight out the window and that's yeah. the last. And we also, see Hitler's him. act. He's much more aggressive in this scene and mm. he is kind. Of, he's acting very like desperate and manic because yeah. you know obviously he he's, knows that. All of his plans have failed. And again, that's that's the the metaphor, right, for his Nazi beliefs is mm-hmm. like there's still that little ten percent what if in mm-hmm. his head, and that's what Taekwatiti is being there. But finally, at that moment, he absolves himself of it. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, I'll start with you here. Give me a healthy paragraph. Okay. What? do you have to say uh, about this movie? Let's do the, quite literally, the post-mortem here. This this movie has a little bit of everything I think you're looking for. It has some comedy, it has some emotional moments, it has, you know, some real-life, you know, um, events and consequences. And I think this is a movie that Overall, you're never going to um, exit viewing it 
without have learning something about yourself or something about another one of the characters. Because yeah. this is a movie that is so open for interpretation, and there's no, this movie does never has super clear answers. Yet it does. Yet it does at the same time, mm-hmm. and it's just it's a movie that it's fun to infer and honestly kind of like guess a little bit yeah on like what happened after what happened you know this and that and the other oh, yeah. and movies never they don't always have to tell you everything exactly and i think that's what makes this movie really beautiful is just the relationships and the lasting impacts yeah going expanding off of some of those points um this is a movie that i think accomplishes something very unique that being you can be in so many different headspaces and you'll still have a great time watching this movie. You want to watch a lighthearted comedy, this movie's for that. you. You want to watch something that'll make you cry and feel like shit, yeah. you'll get that. Um, you want It's got a little bit of romance. It's got, mm-hmm. you know, like it's... You want something historical. Yeah, and it's a beautiful coming-of-age story. Yeah. Um, and also, just kind of throwing it out there, like, I think this is a great movie to watch um, to see the beginning of a lot of really talented titan young actors that are mm-hmm. acting now, mm-hmm. like Thomas and McKenzie and uh, Feel Bad. I, I keep forgetting his name, Roman Roman Griffin Davis. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's going to be a freaking And Archie's superstar. doing stuff, too. Yeah. Archie was in That's the uh, Disney Plus Home Alone. Really? Yeah. There's also this oh, girl. It's not it's not a good movie, oh, but happy no. for him. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> There's that also this girl bad. called um, Scarlett Johansson. She's, she's going she, places. Yeah, she's she's been, going places. Yeah. She's been in one of them Marvel movies, right? Yeah. yeah. Also, if you love Game of Thrones like I do, you're gonna love um, Alfie Allen's role in this. Mm. Alfie it's, Allen. It's so different. And this this is such a good example of a movie that keeps its cast so tight. Mm-hmm. There's like six of them. Yes. And they carry the whole movie. I, I would also say, in retrospect, this is the perfect movie to watch with children that are just starting to come of age. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't even think about 100%. that. Because a lot of them are in... um. In JoJo's shoes, and they're about to be bombarded with a lot of stuff that could be very influential in whether or not they turn out to be a good person. A Nazi. Well, <laughs> metaphorically, right? Let's take it from eleven down to six. But yeah. it this is just, I think, one of the perfect examples of a movie that can show somebody how to be in life without ever saying that it's that it's doing so. It's mm. almost like a young adult like It's almost like a young adult film because it's based off a book, um Caging Skies, and that's what Taika Waititi like kind of based it on loosely. Is it really? I had no idea. You should read that on real paper. <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> read that on real paper. Um Yeah, it's a book, you know, it's it's a boy living in Nazi Germany. He discovers his parents have a, a Jewish girl hidden upstairs. Um, so it's loosely based on that. And I think it's a good movie to, like like Casey said, like watch with your children and just kind of explain things to them. Especially in the society that we live in today where Absolutely. everything is so political. Yeah. Absolutely. It really teaches them to think for themselves. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess if, if you have to teach your kids about Hitler, mm-hmm. it, like, 
Taika Waititi Hitler's not a bad place to start. Yeah, Which really. is a sentence that I never thought somebody yeah, yeah. would say in BC. Because it's not super dark, but it still gives you the big picture. Yeah. He's he's comedic enough at first to not be scary, but by the end, you know, he's definitely not the person you should be rooting for. And I couldn't have said any of that any better myself. Folks, thank you so much for your support over the last couple of weeks. We will be back next week with... Who knows? We don't know. We haven't decided yet. But, uh, <laughs> we, we were. Well, I mean, we've been focusing so much on let's get the show started, and now it's mm-hmm. started, and now I don't know. Like now, we just got to keep making the show. Well, we're doing we're doing two good movies in a row, so maybe we should do a bad movie. Oh my god! I oh, oh I've got so many ideas. Oh my god! Jersey Shore Shark Attack. <laughs> Rubber. Rub. Mm. No, Rubber's a good Rubber's movie. A great movie. Rubber's a good movie. I wouldn't know. Ah, uh, no, we'll get there. We'll get, yeah, there, get there, folks. Um, shoot, by now you're probably listening. I mean, statistically, once the next episode will come out, and you know what we're going to be yeah. talking <laughs> about, anyways. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. My name is Casey Johnson, Zach Smith, Noah Crowley, and until next time, we will see you the next time this train leaves the station. Mm-hmm. Bye bye.